everybody, and welcome to a very exciting episode of The Handsome Boys, brought to you from our studio, as always, in my living room. Woo! Uh, we Live have... from the couch that Nathan jerks off on. Why do you always have to tell everybody that I jerk off on my couch still? Hey, you know. Jeez. Beauty Anyway, is live from our studio in the couch of with which I was off in jerking, we <laughs> we saw a really cool movie this week that we can't wait to get into. Uh, but before we do all that, Chris, what's going on, man? What's 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 the four one one? What do you heard? What's the rub? Huh? What's new? Um, nothing. Um, you have a pretty boring week. I'm on night shifts right now. Oh, that's so right. You get the whack shifts. Didn't do much. Uh, I mean, I did. You know, take in some films this week. Um, in specific, I watched the last. 30 minutes of Grudge Match starring uh, what the fuck is that Sylvester Stallone and um, is it uh, Al Pacino Grudge Match yeah I don't know this movie hang on okay you got you got some information about a Grudge uh, Match I'm gonna, here I'm gonna google it I, would, I thought for sure when I said that you were gonna be like that piece of shit I mean because it is a piece of shit I mean like I probably remember the VHS cover of it or something like that uh, yeah so 2013 film uh, oh, Bobby De Niro. Sylvester Stallone and Robert De Niro. Yeah, yeah, that movie looked like a real piece of shit. Uh, it looked like a real piece of shit, but in fact, Nathan, it was a real piece of shit. Yeah, did it end? Did it, who, who won the big fight at the end? I think I just turned it off. Uh, you don't know who bested who? The, <laughs> the biggest old Italian guy or the other big old Italian guy? <laughs> I, I will tell you this. Stallone is jacked and showed up for this movie. It is an incredible shape. Robert De Niro looks like a 60-year-old man. Well, yeah, I, not too, I think he's like 75 years old now. Yeah, so, it's just... Know. That when they take their shirts, they take their their robes off in the ring. You're just like Sloan would murder. Yeah, Sloan would kill him. Murder Al, Al Pacino, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro. Right. I've been doing that my whole Al life. Al De Niro. Al Rob De Niro, Pacino. Pacino. No, I, I get it because you prejudice against Italian people. That's right. I totally understand. So you watch the last thirty minutes of Grudge Match. Anything That's right. else? No. That's it. Eh? That's it. <laughs> well. I actually did this week. I got super deep into this Netflix series. Uh, it's an Icelandic series called Trapped. Uh-huh. And it takes place in this little fjord, because that's a thing, mm-hmm. uh, where uh, weather uh, murder has happened and the weather has blocked the, you know, because I guess whenever there's a big murder investigation, all the cops from the capital, Reykjavik or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Reykjavik? Reykjavik, yeah. They all go there. But they can't because they're trapped and everything's isolated. So this local cop's got to figure it all out. Cool. And uh, I watched, I got so deep into that, I watched both seasons that are on Netflix. And then I started a new show, which is probably my favorite show of the year right now. It's Alex Garland's new show called Devs. Okay, yeah, you were telling me about yeah, that. Yeah, it's song, really right? good. I don't I, I don't even want to talk about it. Devs, D-E-V-S. Just fucking watch that show, man. It's it about is really cool. game developers? Mm, it's about software stuff. Okay. Yeah, but uh, more nefarious and cool and sci-fi-y. Because it's Alex Garland. Like, it's kind of like a spiritual successor to Ex Machina, kind of. So, okay. Yeah, so Sweet. if you like that movie and you like Annihilation and Dread, definitely check out Devs. It's on uh, FX on demand. Also, if you haven't seen Annihilation or Dread, yeah, watch those. Do yourself a favor. So, I got real deep into those shows. Um, as far as games, I just bit playing more Ghost Recon. That's all I've been playing. So, pretty deep into that. That's pretty much it. Nothing too exciting. Watch this. Watch this movie. Um, but that's pretty much it. Do you have anything else? Uh, you know, I really don't. You really don't, eh? I'm just so, pumped to start talking about. All right. Well, yeah. Film. We'll take a real quick break, and we'll come back, and we'll talk about The Rock. What do you see? We cut the chit-chat a-hole. You almost got me killed twice, and my jaw hurts like hell. 
All right, we're back. And Chris, what did we watch this week? Uh, Nathan, well, when you told me, when you texted me and said this week we're going to watch The Rock, I got real excited. Okay. So I watched The Tooth Fairy and San Andreas. I, I mean... Just kidding! Oh, my God. So for a second there, I was worried you actually sat through San Andreas. No, you, you <laughs> stupid idiot. I watched 1996 summer action blockbuster, The Rock. Yeah, and this is our first in our series of summer action blockbusters because we are recording this on the first day of summer, the solstice. Uh, so the, the solstice. The solstice. So 1996's Michael Bay action vehicle, The Rock. This movie has the distinction of being the handsome boy's first Michael Bay movie and first Nicolas Cage movie. Fuck yeah. First of many Nicolas Cage movies, let me tell you that. We're just getting started. This movie is the quintessential Hollywood summer blockbuster. It cost $75 million to make back in 1996, which is a fucking chunk of change. And it grossed worldwide $335 million. Huge hit. So crazy. At a time when Nicolas Cage was a fucking movie star, box office draw. Now he's kind of got the Keanu Reeves thing going on where like people are kind of circling circling back to Nicolas Cage and having like a retrospective love for him. (laughs) But I always fucking love Nicolas Cage. You don't have to look at it with fond memory for me to fucking love this guy and to be super into his movies, especially this era where he was an action star for some reason. Yeah, this is when he's at his best. This right? is when he's making action movies. So this is Face this, Off and Con Air. Yeah, so this is the first of those three. So it went The Rock, Face Off, then Con Air. Mm-hmm. And all those movies are great. We'll probably talk about the other two at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, The Rock is completely insane. Now, it's weird because I probably haven't seen this movie in about 10 years. But I've seen a lot of Michael Bay movies since then. And I always kind of thought of The Rock as like... Yeah, it's Michael Bay, but it's not, like, as Michael Bay-y as some of his later <laughs> films. But, man, five minutes into this movie, I realized I was wrong. Sure were. <laughs> so, Fuck, man, they crammed it. They crammed Why don't we start out with the... Why don't you take us through the opening of this movie, which really shows the slow-mo fetishization of the military that Michael Bay has come to be identified Without with. Without a doubt. <laughs> um, yeah, so it opens on a military funeral... And With no context. No context. Epic uh, Hans Zimmer score. Such a... Okay, this is... An, I can't wait to get the sound clips ready for this movie because yeah. the epic Hans Zimmerness of this score is, is Zimmerific. It's so... <laughs> 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 it's really good. I've had it in my head all day since I watched yeah, it. Yeah, it is. It is. It does get stuck in your head. It's, it's so. intense. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, it opens on this military funeral... Um, we're cutting back and forth between that and uh, Ed Harris, uh, General Hummel. Uh, what a getting, name, eh? Uh, yeah. General Hummel. What was Some, his, his full name? Was uh, It's something Xavier Hummel. Something X Hummel. I'm pretty sure X is for Xavier, yeah. right? Must be. Uh, it really doesn't matter what his first name is. It doesn't matter. General, is, or General Hummel is all you need to know. You also get the, the title card, The Rock, in just flames yeah. flying at yeah. your face. It's fantastic. Really, a, a true 90s uh, opening so, credit sequence. Slow-mo funeral, a voiceover. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot going on here. Uh, he's putting graves or flowers on his wife's grave and like apologizing for did you notice it said do. did you notice sorry to cut you off there but did you notice it said his wife on the grave oh did it <laughs> why what like General Hummel's <laughs> yeah, wife his wife because I guess he's going to get buried next to her right so oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was really fucking creepy fuck you Barb yeah real <laughs> sorry uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I just thought that was so bizarre um yeah, I guess basically what we're seeing here in the beginning sets up his motivation, which is that he has kind of been petitioning 
Congress or whatever. So to give it, can you can you? I think describe we it I think we should describe it because the first time I saw this movie, I missed all this. Oh, I for sure. Like, I was like thirteen and didn't for sure. want, want to see. Yeah, he's explosions. a bad guy. Yeah. All right. So, but what it is is, I guess his team uh, are like black ops marines they they do all the off book yeah they shit. they are uh what are they they're marine force recon marine force recon yeah so if they get killed in action then they don't their truth their story doesn't get told and then their family doesn't get compensated the way a, a normal combatant would if they yeah. if they die because they're action. off the books they're yeah. they're erased and their family doesn't get compensated they don't get a military funeral. yeah so they die in like uh they, they get like you know they don't get like the the same insurance pension that you do if your spouse or loved one actually dies in combat right, right. so no reparations basically is that is something is. for which general homer hummel cannot stand general homer general homer i wish it was general homer colonel homer so yeah so we, we see this happen he's he's given his big speech about how he can no longer serve a military that's not that's going to ignore these people and stuff like that and um this is all happening to like a slow motion montage yeah you know with intense music playing in the background so much slow-mo in this and then movie. we we get to um basically they go to the, the naval tra- weapons depot oh i thought it was axis chemicals from batman <laughs> <laughs> Because what, what are they there to steal? Like, why, why don't you take us through this? Okay, yeah. So we cut to the Naval Weapons Depot. Him and a team uh, basically black ops style bust into this Naval Weapons Depot. This team of every character actor yeah. from the 1990s combined into one platoon, right? right yeah. yeah. Like fucking so, John, John, C. John C. McGinley. John C. McGinley's in there. Uh, 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 Bokeem Woodbine is there. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, David Morse. Yeah, David Morse is in there. Uh, we were missing, we're missing somebody good too, but we'll we'll get there. We'll yeah. get there. Um, but uh, yeah, well, they're taking out guards and shit, right? Like they're like ziplining. But they're it's all like, like with trank oh, darts and you shit. Don't, you they're not killing anybody, right? Yeah, that you find that out a few minutes later because it, it looks like they're fucking killing him. They shoot a guy in the chest and he gets like blown yeah. back. But I guess it's non-lethal uh, darts or something. They're taking him out. Yeah, and then they're like injecting them and like it looks like he cuts his throat. And he's just shooting him up with something, right? Right. Like, um, and they are there to. Uh, heist uh, 16 canisters of VX2 gas. Ooh, sounds dangerous. It sure is. We'll get into specifically what it is. Oh, what good. It does oh, later. good. Because, but you know what? They, we get to see what it does right away. Though. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. So you have to have something go wrong here so you can see early on what the gas does to somebody. Yeah, it's not nice. Yeah. So I mean, I guess we'll talk about it now. It's it's in the form of these green. They call them pearls. Yeah, string of pearls. String of pearls. Yeah. This green like gel in in little glass balls or whatever. And as they're unloading the last one, they drop one in the the vault that they're in. Yeah. They all scramble to get on there. One guy doesn't get out in time. They have to lock him in. Yeah. And it fucking just melts. Oh, it's so right? gross. It, it melts your skin off. It turns you black, basically, later. right? Yeah. It like, cuts off all the flow of information to your central nervous system or yeah, something like that. Yeah, or as uh, Stanley Goodspeed says later, it makes you convulse so hard you break your own back. <laughs> it's very descriptive. It is yeah. really descriptive. <laughs> So this guy's we, we, we figure out very quickly that Hummel is uh, you know he's 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 not just a figurine <laughs> he means business and he's going to uh, you know Hummel figurines. <laughs> yeah, I, I got you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you could have at least laughed. And he, he means business. And We're we definitely cutting that out. Yeah. We don't know uh, exactly what his plan is yet because I think at this point we just smash cut to Nick Cage. Yeah. Yeah. Sh- shooting a toy gun in yeah. his office. Yeah. Nick Cage. Uh, 
So, to me, he just always looks, he always just looked old because, like, when I came, because he was already, like, a grown man when I was a kid watching movies, but he looks so fucking young in this movie, man. He really does. He looks like a kid. still losing his hair, but... It's gone. It's gone. Like, he's got barely any hair left at this point. A whisper of hair. A whisper of hair, and uh, he should have let it go with dignity, man. Yeah. He really should have done that. Fuck these actors. Anyway, uh, so it's established that he works for a, um, like, he's an FBI agent with their chemical division he's or something. He's a chemical, chemical weapons specialist or something It's like also that. established that he's a Beatlemaniac. Yeah, it sure is. He's so cool, he only gets his music on vinyl instead of CDs. Yeah, what, it's, this is a weird little exchange with his, like, buddy at the office where he's, like, uh, uh, you would get something delivered there, and then he's, like... Yeah, Carlo wouldn't approve of spending $600 on an LP. And he's like, why don't you just spend $13 on a CD? And he's like... Because I'm a Beatlemaniac. For, for first of all, I'm a Beatlemaniac. <laughs> and and second, this one sounds better. So I have heard, like... if you if, Just to digress a little bit into music, like... Because I know that a lot of hipsters these days have their, their vinyl. And I think, like, as a collector's item, it's more fun to collect vinyl than CDs. But let's not pretend that a fucking vinyl record sounds better than a remastered CD. It doesn't. No. It's a fit. It's a myth. No, if you're an if you, audiophile, you want... Um, you want fidelity. What do they call... F- uh, flack yeah. uh, audiophiles. Yeah, flack right? audiophiles. That's where like it's at, right? half a gig for an album yeah, or something. So, so I guess they get called down to... Uh, there's an emergency. Uh, a box is... A package arrived from Bosnia or something. Yeah, this something. is where we learn what Nick Cage does. And it also is also what we learn Michael Bay thinks a science lab looks and functions like. Because <laughs> <laughs> there are so many, like... Dials and meters it's, and like it's cute that you think he thought about science at all when he made this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it is just there's just they're all just movie sets first and foremost. <laughs> up until, until we get to the rock, I guess, right? Yeah. Uh, everything is just crammed together with so many dials and meters and lights and panels and everything. Like you just like it's just so fucking ridiculous. This scene is cool as fuck though. It is. Right? So this is like crate. And they said they, a dog, a, a bomb-sniffing dog detected it at JFK on its way to Bosnia, and they've got it in this, like, isolated circular room in the center of the room that it's they're in. It's got all in. sorts of forney writing on it. Yeah, <laughs> forney writing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and basically, they, they think, what is it? He says it's like, could be could be mayonnaise, could be sarin gas, right? My so, money is on mayonnaise. Probably mayonnaise, but you got to better safe than sorry. So they uh, go in there in their hazmat suits, him and his buddy, his partner, and they pop this thing open. And uh, how does it start? His buddy pulls out like a, a kid's doll. It's a baby, like doll. A baby doll. And he starts fucking with it. He's like, oh, yeah. I'm a dangerous I, chemical weapons technician. I, I'm going to start playing with I this thing. Away. He's like waving his hand. Oh, my God. And it starts fucking... spraying gas out of its eyeballs. Yeah. And, then, and of course, Nick Cage is cool as a cucumber. He's like, don't worry. It's corroding our gloves now, but I'm fairly confident I'll be able to. And this is one of my favorite scenes because they show him digging around in there for the full minute countdown or whatever while everyone's panicking, right? Yeah. And what's he digging? What's he doing in there? He just ends up yeah. cutting wire he's, he's just digging in there just, we're pulling different wires yeah, apart and putting them back together it's so ridiculous man but like this is this is how michael bay operates his movie universes right like there's no rhyme or reason there's no there's no there's no there's no true like logical sense just this is what no, he thinks things are like it's so this just is how about they are. building tension exactly right? superficial drama basically it's about how it makes you feel nathan you know it's not about facts so basically nick cage saves the day um, yeah, there's a few things that get covered here, though, that maybe are worth mentioning. So, um, this thing starts spraying the gas everywhere in there. It's melting through their suits or whatever. Yeah, corroding the suits. And they're trying, he's trying, the one guy outside the, 
chamber is trying to get the water turned on, I guess, because if it rinses it off of them, it'll stop it from melting their suits yeah. while he's trying to defuse the bomb. And oh, the meanwhile, they're, they're thinking they're not, they're going to run out of time, and they're trying to tell the two guys to inject themselves in the heart with yeah. uh, what they call atropine. Yeah, it'll stop, it'll like, it's like, a, it's like an antitoxin or something like that. Yeah, right? you have to, it's a gigantic fucking needle. You have to jab directly into your heart. I love what the buddy says, the guy says, he's like, you're asking me to shove this into my heart? Are you fucking insane? Yeah. <laughs> when it's over, when he stops the bomb at the last second, the guy's like, get me the fuck out of this room. I almost jabbed this thing into my goddamn heart. Yeah. It's so good, man. I like that character. I wish we'd had a little bit more of him. Yeah, he's fun. Uh... Go on, sir. <laughs> so then, uh, after the incident with the uh, sarin gas bomb, we cut to Nick Cage, straight up nude, playing gu- guitar. He's got no pants on. Oh, is he, does he not have pants on? You can't see if he's wearing anything on his bottom, so I just assumed he was nude. I mean, I think Nick Cage shirtless strumming a guitar is yeah. the calming force we all need in today's society. Right. I think that everyone should see that. I just, agree. We meet Carla. Yeah, so we cut to his apartment. He's butt naked, playing guitar, beautiful, palatial apartment. In wherever DC, in DC, I yeah, guess. Georgetown, it must be. Sure. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then we meet Carla, his wife, super gorgeous Carla, or fiance or something, handsome woman Carla, uh, played by the Vanessa Marcil. Uh, yeah, I never, I, I never her really name. seen her. She's before. not anything else no, that I recognize. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, she's uh, he's talking about the day that he had and like. The horrifying idea, idea of bringing a child into this world. He said, describes it, says it would be a, be a cruel act. And uh, then she tells him that she's pregnant. Of course. Of course. <laughs> so she's pregnant. Uh, he's, you know, I love how he just switches his tune immediately. And she's like, but just a minute ago, yeah. you said that you didn't want to bring a child into this world. He's like, well, a lot has happened since then. You <laughs> <Yeah. know? laughs> I like that line. It's like, that was seven seconds ago. Yeah. So much has happened. Uh, so now. Well, she she also proposes to him. Oh, that's right. Of yeah. course, because Nick Cage just got proposed too. He's yeah. not going to do the proposal. So th- it was at this point that I decided, because I've seen, I, I didn't say it before, but I've seen this movie a million times. It came out when I was 13 years old. Yeah, I saw it when I was a lot when like, I was a kid. A yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I see a lot of things in a different light now watching this movie as a 30-something-year-old yeah. guy. And for starters, it is hard to like the character of Stanley Goodspeed. Like, increasingly so as the, over the course of the movie. Like, at this point, I'm not really, like, I'm not really, you know, he's a pretty innocuous character, right? We, we haven't really gotten to know the real Stanley Goodspeed yeah. yet. I mean, he's hilarious, right? Yeah. When the action starts, he's amazing. But, I mean, just on paper, like, he's... This balding weirdo uh, science science biologist guy with this gorgeous wife and his beautiful apartment, and she's pregnant and 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 completely madly in love with him, and proposes to him, and he's still not really sure about all. That's right, you know. I mean, he he takes it all for granted. (laughs) Fucking drove me crazy. What a guy! What a guy! And this is the guy who was going to be Superman. Don't forget. (laughs) Don't forget. In this whole era. I think this run of movies is what gave them the idea that he was such a bankable star to make him Superman. Let's take a break. Can you explain that to me for a minute? Because I don't know. I only know the basics of this. You want to take a break? For those of you who don't know, because this is going back a few years now. Back in like 96, 97, at one point, I was commissioned by Warner Brothers to write a script for a new Superman movie. And how it came about, I think, was that somebody saw Mallrats somebody at Warner Brothers, some studio exec, and was just like, watched Brody and and T.S. talk about the kryptonite condom. (laughs) 
And they were like, this guy seems to know a lot about Superman. So you want uh, a brief synopsis on the Nicolas Cage Superman saga? Yeah. So in the late 90s... Better I learned it from you than from somebody on the streets. So after this run of action movies, right? Like he does The Rock, he does Face Off, he does Con Air. He's like the king of action right now. And the guy's also, let's be honest, he was fucking huge. Yeah. He was a monster. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I've seen clips of him putting on the suit. Yeah. It's a ridiculous he's suit. Really? He looks really strong. Yeah. He just looks like, way too like, Italian to be Superman. <laughs> it's his hair. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you don't think... He's a widow's peak. Superman should have like a perfect like fucking, you know, corn-fed head of, like... Superman looks like the boy next hair. door, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it doesn't... Anyway, so uh, it, this, is, this is crazy. It was going to be directed by Tim Burton from a script by Kevin Smith. Right. And the guy who was producing it was this guy, John Peters. Now, this guy is infamous in Hollywood for being kind of an oddball, right? And he had all these crazy ideas. And if you want to hear the full story, watch An Evening with Kevin Smith or just go to uh, on Spotify. Just listen to the episode of How Did This Get Made with Wild Wild West. Okay. Because John Peters is obsessed with Superman fighting a, a giant spider. <laughs> and he's just like, wow, Brainiac's got to have a spider, right? We're going to have a big spider here. And Kevin Smith is like, what? A, a spider? Sure, I guess. What? Fuck, whatever. So that obviously never got made. But the guy was so obsessed with the giant spider that that finally made it into the finale of Wild Wild what West. Oh, but yeah, man. the movie never got off the ground. Like Tim Burton and Kevin Smith, for obvious reasons, because could not see eye to eye on anything they uh, I think Tim Burton insulted Kevin Smith pretty brutally I think they've made up since but like sure. called him a clown and a hack and it, Tim Kevin, Burton seems like a lunatic yeah and uh, and it seemed natural that you want the guy who you know made such a successful Batman franchise to see what he can do with Superman but I'm so glad this movie never got made because it sounds like it would have been a fucking tire fire and as yeah. much as I love Nick Cage he just does not he's not Superman to me like He's not I even. Just can't imagine the bizarre product that would have come from that combination of elements. You know, Tim Burton, Nick Cage, and uh, Kevin, Smith. Kevin Smith. It would have been fucking hilarious. So yeah, it didn't happen. But uh, we can always dream. And you can just go to like go to YouTube and type in Nick Cage Superman. And there's all sorts of screen tests. Of I, that's him. what I just remember seeing a screen test of him in the suit and it like looking pretty cool. Other the than suit, his, other than his weird head attached. His to long the top. hair, right? Yeah. It looks. It almost looks like his head has been photoshopped into the suit. Exactly. But it, it is there. That is him. That is him wearing a Superman suit. And there's all these concept shots. They already spent almost a hundred million dollars on sets and designs and storyboards and stuff on that movie man damn like they really took a bath in it that's why I could be wrong about that final figure but I'm pretty close I think anyway back to this movie that back exists. to The Rock so um yeah we just finished learning about Carla and her pregnancy and how jealous you are and how jealous I am of uh, Stanley Goodspeed yeah. then we cut to uh, Ed Harris and friends taking a tour of Alcatraz. Yeah, just a nice weekend tour. They're just out there, and they're just in San Fran for the weekend, and they thought they'd take in uh, one of the big tourist traps while they yeah. were there. Yeah, they got, um, what's he call himself, Ranger Bob? Why don't, yeah. <laughs> Why don't you uh, give us a little bit of uh, history on Alcatraz real quickly? Okay, yeah. So, um, well, they actually say in the movie, and it's correct. So it started off as a Civil War fort yeah. in, uh, I think, the 1860s or something like that. And then it was an operating prison until... Think 1970s, 70s, yeah, yeah. real um, fucked up place, man. Yeah, so I mean, it was the uh, I think the high, like considered to be the most maximum security prison in the U.S. and a lot of really high profile criminals were put there. Al Capone, Al Capone, yeah, a lot of gangsters put there. Reason being, you can't get out. You can't get out, right? Even if you make it out, you've got like a 
I don't remember what the distance is, but you've got like a you know forty five minute swim through Pacific waters. Which I mean, sure. if you're in good shape, like one of our good friends, uh, Nico has done that swim. No, yeah. not under duress and during the day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but Athletes still, do it all the time. Yeah, well, he's not an athlete. We know yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> but he still did it, MMA right? fighter, uh, both Nick and Nate Diaz have swam that f- to prepare for fights. <coughs> yeah, it's a, well. a pretty it's a pretty vicious... When the, but when the conditions are favorable and you're in broad daylight and not afraid of being shot by a tower guard, you could probably do it, right? Right. Not us. Yeah. But... <laughs> I could do it. If you just choose not to? Yeah. Sorry, this I cut like you off of there. Um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it, right? Like, it's... But for those of you who don't know, yeah, it was, a, like, a super... And a lot of people don't. Like, I watched this with my... Fair uh, enough, actually, yeah. It's worth pointing out. It, it was a full operating prison for... For a long time. Like, a, yeah, 80 years yeah, or something. So, um... Yeah, basically what happens here is uh, Ed Harris and his team of Marines quickly seize control of Alcatraz. <laughs> they... They uh, put the uh, tourists into the cells. There's this, just try real quick, there's just yeah. this one scene where this guy, and he's just like, what the fuck kind of a tour is this? Yeah. <laughs> there's a little bit of that throughout this movie. That's because it's an R-rated movie, man. That's yeah. what I love about it. It's a Michael Bay thing, too. Yeah. There's a lot of that in, like, um, Bad, Bad Boys. Boys. and Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, he takes over Alcatraz, and then he calls... Uh, directly to uh, FBI Director Womack. Yeah, played by the great John Spencer. Yeah, played by John Spencer. Uh, and he basically lays it down for him, right? He just tells him, like, this is why we're here. He explains the backstory of all the Marines not being compensated or the families not being yeah. compensated for their deaths and is, you know, them not getting military funerals and it's an injustice for which he won't stand. And he basically demands, I believe it's $100 million. Uh, $100 million. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, 85 of which a million each will go to all of the Marines from his platoons that have passed yeah. and not been compensated and the rest is up to his discretion which is like I guess to pay the paying uh, these new mercenaries mercenary basically. team that he uh, hired to do this with him uh, and yeah it lays it out that he's got these fucking missiles full of VX gas VX2 gas did we verify if VX2 gas was real or not it it's, probably, not, it's not it's real. not it's not real damn I know Thought it would be really cool if it was. Sarin gas is real. It is. We talk about in the beginning. Uh, yeah, he's uh, one of my favorites. Uh, one of my one of my favorite parts about this is the Michael Bay trope where they go back to the Situation Room, and the guy's reading off his list. Of, yes, uh, yeah, this is where they break down his military Harris's uh, mili- <laughs> so like, military record. Two two Purple Hearts, two Silver Stars, and a con- Congressional Medal of. Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the actor who played that character is so bad. I don't know who that fucking guy was, but yeah, he's bad. <laughs> it was real bad. Yeah, he did three tours in Vietnam, Panama, Grenada, and Desert Storm. So a real vet. You know, yeah. a real a real company man. They talk here. about him. They, they say a lot of uh, superlatives about him and how he's like the, you know, one of the greatest military heroes. We also ever. get a glimpse. He's a straight up general. Right? He is. I mean, yeah. We also we don't know how many stars though. Come on. Uh, we also get a, uh, a a glimpse of another character actor in this handsome boys all star Philip Baker Hall, as you know as Jimmy Gator. Jimmy Gator from yeah. uh, not being a uh, child molesting talk show host in this one. He's like a government guy. I can't remember the characters. They don't, they don't expi- explicitly say that he didn't molest children in this movie. They don't. Right. I guess we can only assume. But, you know, innocent until proven guilty. But it's just amazing. Like I love that guy. He's great. Yeah, he pops he up great. everywhere. Right. So he's, he's got a great face. He does. Um, uh, there's also a great bit of dialogue here where when 
uh, Hummel's first on the phone with like the FBI and like the round table of yeah you know whatever government the situation suits, room the situation room um, the first guy picks up the line that's talking to him he says like you know something about black ops in China and he's like we never officially acknowledged that we sent troops into China and he's like Ask him how old he is, yeah. and then he says, "By your ninth birthday, I was running blocks, black ops into China." So yeah, so go fuck yourself. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that guy's a little bitch. He's a little. He's a soy boy beta cock. That guy, yeah, right? Soy so, boy beta cock. So and uh, and Ed Harris puts him in his place real quick. Um, they also cover that one rocket has a potential death toll of seventy thousand people. Yeah, and he's got how many rockets? Uh, six, right? Uh, is, is it six? I think it's six. Yeah, there's. Uh, hang on, I, we, I did find that out. I think it's six rockets. Sure, let's say it's six. yeah. So, so that yeah, basically they could take out the population of, of core San Francisco with these if they really wanted to, right? Yeah. Um, then we do a cut to a very disturbing sex scene. Sure do. Oh man, this yeah. is just not the kind of sex scene. I don't mind movies with sex scenes, like if it's animal passion, like if they're just, if they're just gonna fuck. You know, yeah. they're just going to fucking slam ass. I'm all for it. When it's slow and tender and there's talking, I don't want to watch it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And this is arguably neither. Like, she's having a great time. I don't know what the fuck Nicolas Cage is doing. He's so, giving so a monologue, Carla and, and Stanley Goodspeed fucking on, like, their rooftop patio. Yeah, right? of their beautiful fucking loft. Yeah, and she's super into it, and he's just, like nonchalantly talking about sorbet yeah she's like she asks like are you into my pigtails and he's like describing them like they're ice cream or something I don't know what the fuck was going on here but he gets a call on the home phone stops fucking to answer it I just want to say this I this is a question for all handsome boys listeners feel free to get in touch with us you know with your with your responses how many of you at gmail.com how many of you have stopped having sex to answer your landline? <laughs> I don't care who you are. What, what did he have a pager? When you're having sex, you're off the planet for that no, time. Nobody answers their phone when they're fucking. You're not going to be like, oh, sorry, babe. Let me pull out for a minute and go fi- see if that's my boss. Hang on, it's my mom. <laughs> okay, I'm ready to go again. Yeah. In fact, I'm more ready to Just go. Stay with, okay? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I love that. Such a fucking movie trope. Where, like, it really is. You're banging and the phone rings. They're like, the chick's like, don't you dare answer that phone. The guy's like, but I have to. You yeah. know, what if it's work? <laughs> That's how important I am. Like, don't pretend. I'm even more important than sex. So, and also, it's another male fantasy that you can just magically get hard again after having to like find out <laughs> that you have to go to work, right? <laughs> like, come on. That's not happening. That is just not happening. <laughs> fucking Hollywood with their lies. <laughs> he says he'll be downstairs in 10 minutes. And she's like, uh, come on, just a real quick one and like pulls it back in <laughs> yeah I think it ends with her climbing off of him pissed off yeah I think so yeah, yeah. you know that's another weird thing in Hollywood whenever they were having sex and the person climbs off they just jump off like you gotta like put your hand down and like ease the penis out don't you you know you can't just like hop right off yeah <laughs> you can lose something well, that way you know break something I don't know man this movie does not know what sex is really like. Michael Bay has clearly never had sex once in his entire life, so... I mean, from what I hear, he fucks all the time, but it must just be real... It must be real... Real weird. Real weird. A lot of dialogue happening between... Yeah. He probably talks about himself during, you know... He's probably probably on the phone. Yeah. Right? That's what it is. Yeah. He's like, look, look, people talk on the phone when they're banging, right? Look, Nick, you're going to get a phone call here. (laughs) So, this is the big news, right? So, I can't remember... 
we, I think we skipped over something. I think we skipped over John Spencer and Philip Baker Hall, Jimmy Gator, talking about their options for Alcatraz. Yeah, no, that happens right here. Okay. So, Michael Bean is there. Michael B. Kyle Reese himself, yeah, Kyle Reese. who I forgot was in this movie. Yeah. Which was a fucking pleasant surprise. Me too. Whenever, uh, whenever Kyle Reese is in a fucking movie, it's always going to be good. So he is talking to uh, Jimmy Gator. <laughs> I don't know his character's name. It's Jimmy big, Gator. It's just Jimmy Gator. Yeah. Uh, about Alcatraz and like um, how like the maze of pipes underneath and yeah. like, the options of getting in that way like with a SEAL team. They also talk about the option of um, like what they would normally do is burn it. With, well, so uh, yeah. So what? So what Ed Harris says is your countermeasure is useless, and we find out the countermeasure is napalm. Basically, they want to if, yeah. if you if you heat, if you boil this gas, it becomes inert. Right. Or something like that. Like most yeah, gases. Yeah, you can burn yeah. it up. You can burn it to nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then they get uh, good speed in there. That happens. So they, right they bring right in there. their expert, right? Their VX gas expert. So they bring in good speed. And then now they're talking about, you know, Mason. The Oh, yeah. So and he explains like the VX2 gas and what it is a little yeah. bit. He calls it a failed pesticide. It was discovered by accident. Yeah. I do like that. I do like the genesis yeah. of it. And then as they're discussing, as Michael Bean is discussing how to get in, they're, they say that they need like an expert on this thing or yeah. they wouldn't have a chance. And that's when, um, with, who is, uh, who plays Womack? What, John Spencer. John Spencer, yeah. yeah. So Womack um, says that uh, they, they might have a man that would be an expert on Alcatraz. No, I think it's no, I, I think it's it's Jimmy Gator, and then Will Max. Are you out of your fucking mind? He's like, come on, this guy's like sixty eight years old. Yeah. He's like, I have to, I have to get a fucking three times and I take a piss. You think this guy's gonna run away on us, right? Well, like, or is it um fucking uh, uh 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 hang on here, William Forsythe's character? No, that's he comes in later. He comes in later. He comes in later. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> they decide that they have a. A guy, an ace in the hole here. An ace in the hole, yeah, especially to bring in. So they, we cut to them picking up uh, Mason and bringing him in. Surprise! Sean Connery is in this movie. Yeah, coming in late. Uh, actually playing a uh, British expat, right? Yeah, playing a uh, SAS operative, right? Who's been in jail, but he actually escaped from The Rock mm-hmm. at one point. Uh, the scene where. Um, Oh, yeah. This so, is the scene where they're they're gonna offer him a deal. They're proposing his freedom if they if he cooperates. Yeah, and it's a great scene, right? So I think Womack goes in first. No, no, he does, Womack doesn't no, go in first. Doesn't. The other the other FBI agent, well, Forsyth goes in Forsyth first goes and in. tries to play hardball with him, right? Yeah, I love Forsyth, man. Yeah, he says to him, uh, uh, he's like, "This is your chance to get out." He's like, uh, "As long as you cooperate." He's like. What do you want from me? I've been in jail longer than Nelson Mandela. Maybe you want me to run for president. Oh, what? How politically charged that quote was, especially at the time, right? Uh, I guess he still gets the newspaper in solitary confinement. (laughs) He's up on current events. So this is a great scene. So he throws him a quarter and says, here's a quarter. Why don't you call? I can't remember what the quote was, but he throws him a quarter. Call your lawyer. Tell him to go back in jail. Yeah. So... Then they, for some reason, because this is a movie, they send in the inexperienced guy, Stanley Yeah, Goodspeed. they think it'll be a better approach yeah. or something. Because movies, right? Yeah. Because this would never happen. I love when he goes in, he sits down next to him, and uh, Connery, Mason, says, uh, coffee? Oh. And uh, <laughs> Goodspeed says, uh, oh, no, thanks, I'm fine. He's it's like, offer like, oh, me coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Just telling him how to negotiate. So they go through their little their little song and dance. It's pretty funny. But what he, de- con- he demands uh, a room at the Fairmont and like a haircut. Yeah. And a feel of a suit. 
Yeah, it's great. So Connery does one of the coolest things I've ever seen in a movie, and he mm-hmm. takes the quarter and he goes up to the two-way mirror. Well, and first, he, no, first he squashes it with the foot, the leg of his chair. Oh, is that chair what he does? Okay. To make the edge sharp. Okay. He like stomps it with the corner of his, the leg of his chair. Yeah. And then while nobody's paying attention, while they're all in the behind the two-way mirror, he fucking uses it to cut a big circle. And he, like out. bashes his elbow through it. Yeah. And he goes, Womack, I should have known you piece of shit." You piece of shit. <laughs> I love that line. You piece of shit. I like how he did it just to see who was behind the yeah, glass. That's all he wants. Escape or anything. So they obviously give him his way, yeah. right? Um, this whole sequence of events. I mean, movies, where, man. Yeah, where he's in the hotel room. Oh, it's so good, it's right? So great. So he's getting a haircut. Or he's getting a sh- having a shower. He uh, he low key orders some room service up uh, while he's in the shower. Um, and then they bring the guy in to cut his hair, who is... Who is, again, uh, how Michael Bay thinks that all gay people <laughs> yeah, are, just, right? He's like, just a hilarious gay Stereotype, like, oh, yeah. man. Like, uh, he goes, uh, they, they're going through his stuff, and he's got a razor. He's like, razor, no scissors. And he's like, no scissors? Do they tell Picasso no brushes? That's <laughs> such a Michael Bay, like, mid-90s, this is what all gay people are like. Yeah. Because I've had a hairdresser, because I had a hairdresser like this at some point. Um, so Connery is like, he's getting his hair cut. He's diddling around with this fucking cord under his... So you know he's up to no good. And he eventually uh, uh, ties it to Womack and throws Womack off of the... Balcony. Yeah. And yeah, he tosses him over the balcony and he's got the other end of the string, so he's dangling him off the fucking the balcony of this room. And then he starts his escape, right? Yeah, he t- um, ties him to a chair, makes good speed go and grab the chair to stop him, and he makes his getaway, he escapes out the bottom of the hotel. He fucking jumps in a Hummer. Oh, so the German guy. Yeah. I we got like it just reminded me so much of the Simpsons when he's like, Yeah, I have to be back in Dusseldorf at the Kraftwerk concert, idiot. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. He's like in a Humvee. So weird and then what is uh what does Nick Cage jump into? A Ferrari. A Ferrari. A yellow Ferrari. It's so weird because in my memory I mixed the colors of them up. Like I remember the Humvee yellow. being yellow and the Ferrari being it's black. All those when the Hummer became popular, they were all like bright yellow. Yeah, everyone got shit. the different colors. So this is one of the best. Like this is Michael Bay's because Bad Boys had an okay car chase. This is his sophomore effort, right? So yeah. this movie is like the genesis of the Michael Bay car chase. And this car chase through the streets of San Francisco with all the hilly jumps and crashes and trolleys and explosions. It is one of the most glorious car chases. Yeah, this car chase is wild, It's man. fucking fun, man. So he, uh, let's see, he runs into a, a water truck, like a water jug truck. He sure course. does. Uh, crushes through a telephone pole at one point, uh, smashes into a San Francisco streetcar. And of course the streetcar's got like a gentle black. Yeah, the most you know. stereotypical, like panicky black guy uh, yeah. driver. Uh, runs through a bunch of parking meters. He almost smashes into an old lady pushing like a stroller. Or oh, something. he by avoiding her is what he causes all the chaos. Right. Right. So, and at the same time, he's using the car phone to find information on somebody. Right. He's looking for Jade Angelou. Right. Jade right? Angelou. What a name, eh? So you're expecting a large black woman. <laughs> Famous poet laureate Jade Angelou. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, and he also, I don't know if you noticed, uh, caught this, he almost runs over a wheelchair basketball team. No, I didn't one notice that. <laughs> one of the craziest things, so when everything comes to a head and everything crashes, there's such a fierce explosion, and the force of which lifts the trolley car yeah. into the air. Like 20 feet in it's the air. It's so Dope, man. Yeah. Like, everything about it. Everything in Michael Bay movies is filled with gasoline. I love it. It should so, be. It yeah. should, as it should be. So when you shoot it, it explodes, right? Um, and we figure out that uh, 
uh, Jade Angelou is his daughter. He wants to see his daughter. Yeah. So he's called her. Played by the uh, the great Claire Forlani. Yes. Uh, Goodspeed has also figured this out. Yes, so somehow. He, he called ahead to his buddy at the FBI. And right, right, right. To do some research on yeah. Mason and found his next of kin. So he figures out I love how where he's going. everything's redacted in his file except for his next of kin. Yeah. <laughs> like, nobody knows who the fuck Jay is. Nobody can find is. out who he is by knowing his daughter's name <laughs> and address. <laughs> so I do like this scene. So he goes to meet her. And just trying to, like, you know, apologize to her and stuff like that. I love the outfits that uh, Claire Falani and her friend are wearing because they're so fucking mid-90s. Oh, they're like, so 90s. It's so good, man. It's like, um, somewhere between Blossom and Friends. Totally. Totally. <laughs> and uh, so all the cops descend on him. And she's like, oh, great. You're doing this to me again. And then Nick Cage comes in and goes, he's a bro. No, he goes, your yeah. father's just working on a very important case with us, ma'am. Yeah. Then what does he say? Like, uh, what's his first name? Mason? Uh uh, John Mason. He's like, Joel G. G. Willikers, John. I guess you better get going, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty <laughs> great. Something like that. It's pretty great. So I do like how Nicolas Cage uh, dis- displays himself to be a bro here. Yeah, he does him a favor. He sees that he's talking to his daughter. You know, gives he's a him- bro. Yeah, he- he's a bro. He does a bro move. And they're walking back to the cop cars too. He's uh, uh, Mason thanks him, and he's lit <laughs> fucking good speeds. Like, uh, yeah. Well, what do you say we cut the chit chat? A hole. Yeah, this is our first of many, you know, timeless Nicolas Cage moments where this mild-mannered chemical expert, you know, keeps having these spazzes, like, out of nowhere. Just baffling delivery. Like, just ridiculous. It's amazing. So we finally get get down to business here. They're finally going to go in. uh, They're finally getting their shit together. They got Mason. He's trying to describe it to them. And then he says, this is so funny, because he goes, well, I'm going to go, right? And they're like, no, you're not going to go. He's like, hey, I got to go. I don't remember all this shit. You yeah. know? I'll figure it out. I, I know I'll figure it out when I'm there. And then Goodspeed is like, well, you know, when you got, when you guys go and they're like, oh, no, but you're going. Yeah. <laughs> so it's pretty funny. So they, they, they organize everything just perfectly so that everyone's got to go. When, they're, when they tell uh, Goodspeed that he's going to go, first of all, he's like, you know, I don't know how to do any of this stuff. And uh, uh, fucking Michael Beans, like, have you ever been in a combat situation? And he's like, what do you mean by combat? And it, he gets one of his uh, fucking men to like... Danny Nucci, yeah, I believe. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, to uh, describe it to him. And he's like, oh, well, in that case, no. And then he's like, can, I, can I, you excuse me for a second? And he like leaves the room and he immediately throws it Yeah, up. he's just peeking his guts out. Then Forsyth and, walks in. Yeah, and he says to Forsyth, he says, uh, my stomach's doing hula hoops around my asshole. <laughs> so many good lines, man. Oh, man. I believe a lot of these are improvised. Yeah, they must be. I think that, like, um, well, there's a line later I'm not going to spoil, but yeah. very famous, funny line from this, from uh, Cage. And I believe I've seen a, like, a reel of him doing multiple takes of that just making up different bullshit That's every time uh, we did forget to I did forget one quick thing I just want to cycle back to the daughter yeah she she has so much information about about him that we get exposition from her and she's like right. well yeah dad I mean you met mom after a Led Zeppelin concert you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's like well I like to think it would have been more than that if uh, he's like what if 12 she, federal officers yeah. she knows she door. knows the number of uh, like it doesn't sound like she's 
she's just throwing a number out there because if she was being hyperbolic, she would have said like 50 federal marshals, but she knows like the exact number. Yeah, I just her, thought that was really funny. Her mom told her all <laughs> I guess, right? She must have. So, sorry. We're back to business. We're going to Alcatraz. We're going to Alcatraz. They're all the, the, uh, it's the, the Navy SEALs. It's so cool. And Mason and Goodspeed are all in a helicopter. Metal Gear Solid style. Metal Gear Solid style. <laughs> like infiltrating the rock. With their fucking scuba gear and their night vision goggles on and this crazy weird submarine thing. Yeah, and we get in there and it's quickly revealed oh. to be, you know, a level from Prince of Persia. <laughs> I, I was going to describe it as a, uh, a steampunk death maze. I mean, like, I remember I'm watching this movie with uh, with our esteemed producer, Erica, and she looks at me and goes, why would they, why would these obstacles be here? <laughs> It's like, because... Not, not only are they there, they're still working. Like, <laughs> I guess it's the boiler, right? Like, sure. whatever... They have some type of old boiler there. And there's, like, this what, part this, where... They call it a, the steam engine? Yeah. Steam some, tunnels or something? I guess, right? You know, and... I don't know. Howl's Moving Castle? I don't know. Yeah. So, they've got, so Connery's, like, timed the movements of these obstacles to, like, roll through. It really truly is, like, you're on Uncharted or God of War and those levels where you're... Indiana pop, Jones or Popping something. across the... The, the walls and you have to wait for the blade to come down before you make your jump right 100%. like that's what it's like it's so ridiculous so it, and, and it's just so cliche like you know he, he goes to do it he's got the timing right and like they're waiting not even 10 seconds the guy's like well he fucked us yeah and then they cut back to the situation was like I fucking knew it fucking Mason is that and then they, they do, of course the door opens like two seconds later yeah. it's like I think yeah. these Navy SEALs would be trained to have just a little bit of patience you know they'd right. just be able to wait a f- for a few moments and of course when he does open the door to let the Marines in he says the trailer line welcome to the rock welcome to the rock uh, there's also a really funny scene here while they're waiting to, because they're, they're going to, they're going to start by going to the shower room. They're going to come up through the shower I got, room. I got a couple cool things to talk about that. Okay. Yeah. Well, before they get there, or while they're, while they're poking the little, like, camera or the fiber optic camera, camera yeah. up, um, Goodspeed and Mason are having a conversation, and, uh, he's like, uh, Six saying, like, like, well, this is a pretty shitty day I'm having or whatever, and he's like... Oh, it's better than uh, my usual afternoon uh, eating prison food, avoiding gang rape in the showers. Uh, it's becoming less of a problem lately. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm losing my sex appeal. <laughs> my sex appeal? Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Connery, your sex appeal has never been stronger than it is now. Ask my mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, the shower room. So, this, so, we've kind of neglected Ed Harris's... You know, scenes a little bit up to this point because they're kind of just not really that important, right? It's a lot of like posturing. They're just getting set up. You're kind of figuring the dynamic between him and his team, and you you kind of get a the way that they the way that some of the 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 other team members are shot would suggest that they're not really good guys that are that are hard done by. They might might actually be real bad guys. The the mercenaries or yeah, like the one the one country fried rube and the two black guys. Yeah, one of which is Tony Todd. Tony Todd, the candy man. So we haven't gotten too much into it, but the mercenaries and the uh, Navy SEALs are just stacked to the brim with character actors, right? Um, When you and I like to talk about how in the 90s, especially with action movies, um, the cast is just, you got to go like 20 names down the before you don't recognize recognize somebody. And The Rock is one of the examples that I bring up there. The the Rock and Tombstone have just these absurd cast. Well, Michael Bean's in both of them. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and The Rock, you got, we already mentioned this, right? But like after the principal three of Ed Harris, Nick Cage, and Sean Connery, you got... 
uh, Danny Nucci, John C. McGinley, Bokeem Woodbine, Tony Todd, David Morse, um, John Spencer, Philip Baker Hall, and I'm missing a couple of more names too. I know that, and yeah. it's just not like the, I can't remember who plays the white guy, the white, the country fried. Uh, yeah, person. he's like the, the real asshole, the real guy. asshole guy. Yeah, he's somebody too. He's got a super recognizable. Yeah, place. like all these guys have been like staples of action movies and action TV shows for years, and they're all so in their fucking element in this none of them have to like try too hard to be these characters no they just, man they just fit into these roles the, so the well the military style dialogue in this movie is fucking awesome it's so good in particular man. we're about to get there but there's an exchange a heated exchange I can't between... wait we're gonna, let's, let's yeah. get into it let's, okay. okay so let's get into it so this, this set piece is one of the most famous set pieces in this movie and of action movies and the shower room so the what, what Chris just mentioned it they're poking their little camera up uh, to see if they can uh, poke through but they see an obstruction right they see a, a, a sensor motion sensor yeah. so they try not to trip it but they fuck up and they trip it and by the time they get out into the shower room they're surrounded from an elevated position by the mercenaries right yeah. so this shower room was recreated almost exactly in the video game Modern Warfare 2 in the campaign oh. when you break into the Russian prison to rescue Price right right yeah okay and they so they do an homage to it and it's just as fucking difficult in that game because everyone's above you and they're just fucking firing down on you and you're yeah. like hiding against a brick trying not to get blown away um, Hummel says it to him right he's like we have from an elevated yeah, position. Yeah, so what happens is Bean comes out from behind cover and he identifies himself as the team leader. Yeah. And Navy SEAL captain. And yeah, and, and Hummel's like... You he know, even expresses empathy, right? Yeah, he's like, he's like, God knows I agree with you. Yeah. Right, on your like position or whatever. And he's like, but we, we, we took an oath to defend... Uh, this country from threats both foreign and domestic. Oh, the way he delivers it, both foreign and domestic. Yeah. Like. And yeah, they just have this fucking exchange. It's an exchange, man. Right? It is heated. That's two, two, like two fucking men. Yeah. Going at each yeah, other. Yeah. You know? He's like, like, order your men to, to uh, safety their weapons and drop them. I cannot give that order, Dan. Like, no, you I cannot give that order. I will not give that order. Oh. And of course, of course, you know what happens in every movie, like a fucking rock crumbles down a, a wall, startles one of the guys, a gun gets shot, and then they just massacre these guys. It is a massacre, right? Yeah. It is brutal, it is vicious, but you believe it and you feel it. You really feel this one, right? Yeah. This is probably the only time in this movie where I like was emotionally affected by the violence that was going on, right? Every other time they do it, it's bad guys killing, it's good guys killing bad guys, or, but in this scene, it's like, this Navy SEALs got completely annihilated, right? In a vicious, vicious way. It helps that there's that bit of dialogue beforehand where it you does. kind of identify with both sides. Both sides, a little bit, right? On on many sides. Yeah. On many sides. Yeah, there's good guys on both sides. On many, good people on many sides. <laughs> um, but it, it is pretty vicious. Um, then Danny Nucci, he's got to go up there. They're like, don't go up there, right? And he pokes his head out and just gets fucking one-shotted right in the head. Yeah. And So all of the SEALs are... Every dead. single one of them are done. So the only ones left alive are Mason and Goodspeed. The Marines don't know it. They haven't figured it out no, yet. No, not just yet. Yeah. So they start... Uh, well, Mason takes off and Goodspeed follows him. Yeah. And uh, he gets on the mic with uh, with Womack and yeah. it's like... He's like, just uh, stop, stop him. And he's like, well, he's got a gun. He's like, well, what are you carrying, a water pistol? <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, the scene where he fucking confronts him and points the gun in his face. And he's like, you don't have the balls to do this. And he's yeah. like, yes, I do. And he just like <laughs> grabs the gun, flips it around and takes it from him. And he's like, now he's got both guns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he says, he says uh, up, updates good speed. He's like, uh, he has all the weapons now, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so... 
I can't remember exactly how Connery changes his tune. So basically, um, uh, Goodspeed tells him what's going on. It's like, did they tell you, you know, why, what we're doing here? Like, yeah. What, what, uh, what they've got, doing? yeah. And he explains it to him, and that, he kind of... Oh, because his daughter is there. Yeah, That's what it is, yeah. He's, uh, yeah, what is, he's, like, gonna leave, and then he, like, changes he's his like, mind. fucking like, Mac. Yeah. You know. He says, uh, yeah, they, they whatever. He they, says he could have got my daughter out of there, right? Yeah. That's what he says. So now he's worried about his daughter getting killed by the... That's what it is. Yeah, that's his so that's, that's what it is, yeah. right? Makes sense. Um, and then uh, they say, all right, well, we're, we're going to do this, and uh, this is where Goodspeed says, well, I'll do my best, and... Uh, <laughs> Those losers do their best. Yeah. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. Yeah. And he goes, Carla was the prom Carla. queen. <laughs> He's like, really? Yeah, yeah. I love that. That's a great <laughs> scene, because it's a good diss, and then it's a good comeback, too, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so... We actually go into another little action set piece here where they go. They find the first... Um, they, they go to the morgue. Yeah, so they find the first uh, run of rockets, I guess. Yeah, there's a, there's one rocket set up in yeah. the morgue. Or no, and, I think the morgue is... I think they've got a bunch, but the, well, they only have a couple of rockets set up. But they're going to where like, all the tanks that they stole Yeah, and they need, to get the, they need to get the guidance chips out of them. So That's right, yeah. So they, yeah. yeah, they got a bunch of rockets in the morgue. They're going there to get the guidance chips out of them. And uh, they... Uh, I, somewhere along the way, the mercenaries heard them. Like, well, they know they find uh, Danny Nucci's dead body, and they uh, his guns are gone. Right. So they're like, we got a couple of guys left over, a couple rats to flush right. them out. Right. Yeah. So they catch them in the act in the morgue. Well, no, because he throws a knife right in the guy's neck right off the bat. Right. That's right. Yeah. He, they attack them in the morgue. That's right. Yeah. They jump the guys in the morgue. There's yeah. Couple guys in there. So he just fucking they, throws the knife right through they, the neck. Then they get man. a shootout. They're this pinned, is great. Pinned behind a desk, and fucking Mason drops to the ground and shoots underneath the table and blows out the guy's feet. Yeah, it's fucking gruesome. And then uh, while he's on the ground, there's like a, a like a air conditioning unit like on the ceiling hanging, and in true video game fashion, he fucking shoots that, and it falls and crushes the guy's head, and he's like twitching away on the ground. Yeah, and good speed says, uh, "Oh yeah, that's just about the most awful thing." I've yeah, ever he's seen. like, "This is the most awful thing I've ever seen." <laughs> So, uh, this next scene is hilarious because he's just like lecturing Sean Connery as he fucking takes the, the missiles apart and like takes the targeting things out. And the guidance just, chips. Yeah. This is also where he explains so because Mason asks, um, you know, what the gas does and you know, what will oh, happen yeah. if they launch it. And uh, he explains it. Uh, I'll break it down a little okay. bit. He calls it a uh, colonesterase inhibitor, which I googled, is a real thing. Okay. Uh, he describes it as, it stops the brain from sending messages down the spinal cord within 30 seconds, you feel a twinge in the small of your back, and then you spasm so hard you break your own spine oh. uh, and spit your guts out. Oh. But that's after your skin melts off. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. And yeah, then, we've already seen this, so we know, right? Yeah, and then he's like, he's taking him out, he like passes him to him at yeah. one point, he's like, don't drop that! The minute you lose respect for this is the minute we all die. Yeah. Yeah, so old man Connery is kicking some ass, though, man. Yeah. Like, I, so they they remove the chips. Uh, they, we establish here that there are three missiles left. Yeah, so they got to go find three missiles. Um, the, the, the mercenaries show up at the last second when he's getting the last chip out. Yeah. Jumps down a laundry chute. They jump down the... It's the incinerator chute or something was, Okay, like that. yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I guess because it's in the morgue. Yeah, right? and that's how he got out, right? Yeah, he it was through the incinerator. Lands in a fucking mine. Right, and now we're in Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. Uh, <laughs> so the I got like, does the, does the Alcatraz have a network of mine carts going yeah. on underneath? I really need to know this, man. I need to know. 
uh, if this if this aspect of it is true because it was a civil war facility at one point maybe there was some stuff in there there's they no could fucking mine. way that's real you have no whimsy Chris <laughs> <laughs> no there's no way that that's real so they, uh, they get chased through the minecart by uh, uh, Tico Salamanca from Breaking Bad <laughs> and uh, some I can't remember the name of the actor but he's also in Training Day and he always plays the bad Mexican gangster right you, yeah, know, what I'm, you know what I'm talking about yeah uh, and, and McGinley and McGinley too yeah, yeah that guy barely has any dialogue in this movie I know right? it's a shame I love that guy I bet he had more he probably got cut right yeah um, so they they uh, get in the minecart. It races along. It crashes. Like if the track runs out at the end, the three of the mercenaries. What does he say? What does Connery say? He goes. He goes. Oh yeah. He goes. He goes. Mason, are you already? He goes. Yeah, just perfectly okay. You fucking idiot. <laughs> fucking idiot. <laughs> I love the way he just trash talks Nick Cage the whole time. Yeah, it's great. Um, so the three mercenaries show up to investigate. Uh, he so Goodspeed's in this like metal bucket kind of hanging above the end of the minecart track, and Mason's underneath the tracks. Yeah. So while John C. McGinley's character is standing at the edge of the tracks trying to figure out what went on, Mason squirts his boots with like. Oh yeah, we forgot to mention fuel. that. That's all he took with him was like string and fuel and like a lighter and a, and a knife and, yeah. a, and the matches. Yeah, waterproof matches. Yeah. So anyway, he lights his, his feet on fire. And then uh, he like ties him to the mine cart and like kicks it into the yeah, water so or something. Yeah, so he gets something. fucking like dropped into the water pretty quick. Yeah. And then the other guy, uh, the other guy gets the drop on Mason and starts like strangling him, and that's when Goodspeed fucking unloads into him. Right. Yeah, he kills him. Yeah, he kills him. That's the first guy he's killed, right? Uh, so. Yeah. At this point, also. Um, Mason asks Goodspeed for the chips, and then he smashes them all. Well, no, because they got the hostage coming out. We haven't got there just that's, yet. That's right. Okay, yeah, yeah. So sorry. Ed Harris, uh, so Ed Harris brings out a hostage and says, you know, if you guys, you know, hey, guys, if you don't bring back our guidance chips, we're going to shoot a hostage. So at this point, uh, Mason just throws him on the ground, fucking steps on him, and then he tells Stanley, Goodspeed, he goes, you got to go and find the other, the other three. Yeah, rocks. they split up. So Mason surrenders himself to Hummel at this point, I think. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it's a pretty good scene, actually. Like, seeing these two acting heavyweights, like, yeah, fucking... Yeah, they're exchanging, like, famous quotes about, like, patriotism and, yeah. like, the cost of liberty and that kind of shit. It's pretty fun. Um, he, he tells him he thinks he's a... Thinks, thinks he's a fucking idiot or something like that. Well, he just says, like, you're confusing patriotism with terrorism, right? Like, yeah. you're not... Like, you think you're doing... Like, you think you're doing the right thing, but you're just... You're going about it the wrong way kind of thing, right? So, um, you know, now now this is when the, the seams start to kind of show in Hummel's plan, right? Like, yeah. you know, how committed is this guy really to murder civilians at this For point, right? For his cause. For his yeah. cause. Um, and we get, uh, I think, the next scene is Nick Cage. Nick Cage, Goodspeed finds another missile. Yeah. And he's trying to dismantle it. And he gets caught by one of the Marines. Yeah, one, one of the, one big of the guys. mercenaries. Yeah. And, uh... This is where he says I lied to him. He's like, uh, it's a good thing that the general wants you alive because I'd take pleasure in gutting you, boy. <laughs> yeah. So they're both... So we cut to... Uh, they're in jail. And... <laughs> what's his line here? Like, okay. Zeus is... Okay, yeah. So Please, please. So they're captured, right? He's, he's like... He's like... Uh, Mine car. Through the tunnels to the power plant. Under the steam engine. That was really cool, by the way. And into the cistern through the intake pipe, but <clears throat> how, in the name of Zeus's butthole, did you get out of your cell? 
I only ask because in our current situation, well, it could prove to be useful information. Maybe! <laughs> the delivery just like it's the best this must have been like at the genesis of it like the early not early mid 90s like and don't forget this is also the same year that he won an academy award or like the year after he won an academy award for leaving las vegas, leaving las vegas? This, well, i think it's the same year he does win an okay. academy award so he plays like an understated tortured character in that movie and he's full cage in this oh full yeah. cage and he just took this ball and ran with just it fucking yeah movies so connery is like fashioning like a rope out of his like bed sheets that he's like swinging to the uh, swinging through his cell to the it's pretty cool actually it's cool yeah to the doors to like open the cell doors he does it very casually and like releases Nick Cage very casually and then they cut to them like outside like and Mason has again decided he's gonna leave yeah and, and, you know, because he said he looked in Hummel's eyes, he just doesn't buy it. Yeah, he, he's not a, he's not a killer. Yeah. And then Goodspeed says to him, oh, you read his eyes? Well, then everything is just fine. <laughs> <laughs> and at the same time, the airstrike is being approved, right? Like, the president has... Oh, yeah. This is where we cut to the uh, uh, president's... Is that here? The big president's big speech? Yeah, there's a little yeah. bit before that where he's, like, telling them that they're going to launch and, like, he identifies the target as uh, the football stadium. And, uh, yeah, we cut to the, the slow-mo, like, jets getting fueled up in the president's speech about, like, uh, how does one weigh human life? Yeah, so obviously this is before 9-11 when presidents didn't have to make decisions about this, right? Like, so, he's like, this is the hardest decision I've had to make in my presidency. Oh, not, like, you know, having to approve a drone strike a day like they do now. Right? God. Yeah, you're right. So. I really, maybe this is a good point to talk about, like, I, the pers- the difference in perspective between when I saw this as a 13-year-old American kid yeah. when it, in the time that it came out and now as like a 30-something-year-old adult. Canadian time, adult. Canadian adult in the time that we're living in. Like, I just identify so much more with Ed Harris's side of the situation. You know? Like, I mean, you know, you don't condone... Yeah, I know, Chris. Terror. I also identify with all the white authority figures in this movie. <laughs> uh, sure. Um, this is the last podcast that we're ever going to do. <laughs> no, I get what you're saying, right? Like, the whole idea of like, you know, the military being hung out to dry and these guys, you know, in their, you know, maybe they do have a reason to protest, I guess. For, for a Michael Bay movie where... It's very woke for a Michael he, Bay movie. Also, where he's usually pretty, um, like... He fetishizes mi- the military, right? He fetishizes the military. He's also pretty minimal with, like, um justification for like this, acts of evil or whatever I think you know and I know that like we probably we probably should save this for our final thoughts but I think one of the reasons that makes this movie so successful as a, and it's definitely a movie when people think Michael Bay is a hack this is the movie that people will bring up to defend Michael Bay right yeah and this movie does have a lot of that those tropes and the and the kind of emotional manipulation that he does with the slow-mo and the music and all that but you actually do empathize with Ed Harris's character. You do care about a lot of the characters in this movie. He's a very nuanced like, villain. It is. He is. And you really do get like that, oh my God. Like, think about this. Armageddon came out two years later, and that movie is completely retarded. Like, I like that movie. It's stupid. It's mm-hmm. a stupid movie. This is not a stupid movie. This no. is a smart movie that knows exactly what it is and how effective it is and knows how to push all your buttons in the right way, right? Totally, yeah. And he puts time into he it. He does. Right? And when he does that, in the few movies that he has done that in and over the course of his career, he usually is a very successful filmmaker, mm-hmm. right? It's when he kind of loses sight of, his, of himself. I, th- and I think he just got... He fell in love with, like... 
making crazy action scenes and was just but like, they I, got, all, all but I they get less anymore. the problem is is they get less the the more his career goes on the less coherent they get a lot of the time right and I yeah. think especially when they, when he has that's to, probably all like the cocaine and you no know, doubt. alcohol no doubt it's <laughs> um, still on him but we're we're pretty much at the finale of this. We're getting close to the, yeah, to the finale well, here. Speaking of the nuance of his character and his motivations, this is where the there's dissent amongst. Yeah. So now it's clear that that the Candyman, Bokeem Woodbine, and the the white trash white guy are not great guys. You know, yeah. they want to fucking sh- they want to get paid. They want to shoot the missile. Yeah. Right? They're not bluffing. No. Right? They're committed to shooting the missiles if they don't get the money. So the deadline comes and goes. Uh, you know, they want another hour. They David Morse talks them into it, right? No, we got to do this. We have to stand yeah. firm. And so he calls the for this to fire the missile, like yeah. to initiate the launch. And he does. He fires one missile, and it's going right for the stadium. And at the last second, it veers off into the ocean and splashes down. Yeah, because he's because he stops it, right? Yeah. And he basically admits at this point, which is kind of what everybody I think like if you're watching the movie for the first time, you kind of suspect that he's bluffing a little bit. Right? And he goes, yeah, fuck, I'm not going to... I'm not really... Gonna, yes, didn't really think I was going to do this, did you? Like, come on. He says that later, too. Yeah. He's like, I'm not going to kill thousands of innocent civilians. I'm not, you think I'm fucking insane? Yeah, I love that. He's like, you think I'm fucking stupid? Or, yeah. And uh, shit gets real nasty now. And uh, there is quite the Mexican standoff. Yeah, so basically the three hired gun mercenaries... Pull out like they, well, they Tony, Todd, Tony, Tony Todd has Todd. a good line. He has a good line. He goes, "We're no, we're not Marines. We stopped being Marines the second we took hostages. That made us mercenaries, yeah. and mercenaries get paid. And mercenaries get paid. I love that line. And then he uh, pulls out his gun. He's like, "I'm relieving you of command." Yeah. And uh, the other two um, mercenary guys yeah. back him up, point guns at uh, Hummel, and then the his right, David Morse. Right, David Morse, uh, who's probably like a he's like a captain or something. Casey. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, they say to him, it's like, you know, you're either uh, with him or with us. And he's like, uh, um, General, it's been an honor to serve with you. Uh, but he's right. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, we're, we're mercenaries or something like that. And he pulls a gun and he puts it to Hummel's head. Yeah. And then he turns and he shoots Tony Todd. Tony Todd. And then they all, everyone's just blowing each other away. Yeah. Uh, Harris gets mortally wounded. And then, while and at this point, Sean Connery and Nick Cage have been watching this whole thing go down. Uh, they get involved, and then they, Nick Cage grabs a dying Hummel and goes, "Where's the last? Uh, where's the last missile?" And just before he dies, he tells him where it is. So right in the lower, in the lower lighthouse. So, uh, good speed takes off. Do that. The other um, mercenary follows him. Yeah, Tony Todd chases him. No, Tony Todd. No, Tony Todd chases him because he catches up with him. Right when he's. Uh, Dismantling. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's great. Yeah. Oh, and he goes, he goes. You ever hear that song, Rocket Man by Elton no. John? Well, well, okay. So before that, he's got the fucking string of pearls. Uh, you yeah. Know, VX gas. Which, in his hand. which he's been delicately handling up to this point, and now he just like shoves it into a sewer grate. Yeah. He goes, well, to, like, cause so Tony Todd's guy like confronts him, and he's like, you know, put put that down or something. Yeah. And he's like, do you know how this shit works? He's pointing at the gas. Yeah. And then Tony Hatta's like, you know how this shit works? And he's got the gun in his hand. Yeah. And then uh, they're like kind of posturing and like have a bit of a standoff. Yeah. And Tony st- Todd gets in front of the fucking <laughs> missile. And that's when that's when Nick Cage is like, uh, hey, uh, I think we got off on the wrong foot. Do you like music? Do you like the song Rocket Man by Elton John? And what does he say? He's like, Tony Todd's like, uh, uh, I, like I, don't, I don't like soft I don't ass like shit. Soft ass shit, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, it's like, oh, well, I just asked because it's you. You're the rocket man. <laughs> you 
fucking fires the missile into his chest uh, and knocks him out the window. You don't get enough of that anymore. You don't get enough, like, missile to the chest action anymore <laughs> yeah. these days, you know? What else does that happen in? True uh, Lies. Broken Arrow. And Broken Arrow and True yeah. Lies. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, and then he goes after he launches out the window. Uh, uh, good speed's like you like how that shit works. Yeah. So during this whole time, like a pearl has come loose, and he's like been holding on to it. Yeah. And he eventually, he just puts it in his coat pocket. Yeah. It's so bizarre. And he starts fighting with the last guy, right? And they get into this big fist fight, and he takes it. He's getting strangled. He takes it out of his pocket. Yeah. Sh- Shoves it in the guy's mouth and punches him and in the punches face. him in the face. It's so. And then he, as he's stumbling away, he, he injects himself. Yeah. With so the, br- the gas busts out, starts melting this guy's fucking oh, skin. Just the way he spits all the juice out in slow mo. Oh, it's, it's like, awful. oh man. Yeah, and then of course, Goodspeed has to pull out the gigantic fucking needle and jab it into his heart. Yeah. Which I don't know about you, man, but that that's a terrible that scene. Stuck with me yeah. my whole Same life. Same here. I've always I, I always remembered that part. Uh, whenever I see big needles, I think the first thing I think of is it's the like, rock. Putting a needle into your chest. Or like, Pulp Fiction, could right? Could you do it? Like, like the adrenaline shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah same yeah. thing. I don't know, man. I think if it was between that and dying, I think I'd probably I mean, do it. I, I, got, I was sweating watching this movie at that part, thinking about the idea of like, okay, how do you do it? Could you do it? Like, I think you just you put it right to the edge of your chest and you just go, you know, pump no, yourself I off. You and just, just, ah, I just think you fucking, just jab it in, man. Well, like, uh, the reason that I think you don't just jab it from a distance is because like you want to make sure you get like oh, between I your ribs. Know, like, you know, it's, it's uh, a Hollywood it's, movie. You're going to get in there anyway. It's so awful to think about. It is terrible. Uh, so, <laughs> so, then, he, the, so the airstrike, we're cutting back and forth between him doing that and the airstrike. Yeah, airstrikes. Away, a bunch of F-18s. You're going to napalm the shit yeah, out of this. Yeah, they're like six minutes out or whatever. Going to annihilate the rock. Yeah, and uh, he, while he's on the ground with a needle in his chest, he pulls out the two flares. The two green flares. We forgot yeah. to mention. Well, it doesn't really matter. But doesn't matter, yeah. Um, and last second, they still drop one oh, bomb. Also, right before the airstrike happens... Uh, like T minus one one minute till strike or whatever, and you of course get William Forsythe's character going. May God have mercy on their souls. Oh God, what a Michael Bay line. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They he they see it at the last second. They try to pull up. One of the missiles goes off or bombs goes off. Lands on like the far side of the island. Blows good speed into the water. Uh, and of course, yeah. Of um, course. Mason pulls him out. Yeah. He's like, oh, you, like what? He's like, you changed your mind. He's like, oh, I didn't want your daughter. Well, we forgot to mention earlier, right? That Ma- like Mason, as Goodspeed's getting held up gunpoint by one guy, Mason breaks the guy's neck. We forgot to mention oh, that's that right. to come back, right? So yeah. Mason hasn't abandoned him yet, and now obviously, like now it's his chance to slink away, right? Yeah. So so he calls. Uh, they think he's dead. The Carla and everybody is like back at the fucking situation room. I'm like, good speed, good speed, come in. And he like finally answers. He's like, I'm here, right? He's like, come and get me. He's like, what about Mason? Uh, and then like they have a little exchange with each other. And he's like, he's dead, sir. Vaporized. Yeah, vaporized. <laughs> of course. Yeah. No, not a trace, right? And um, Mason thanks him. I think he even says like, I haven't said thank you to a lot of people in my life, yeah. but thank you. And then uh, he's like. Um, you know, what are you gonna do after this? And he's like, I was thinking about Maui, and he's like, I recommend, uh, I forget what he had, like, church t- in Kansas, yeah, it's like Tulsa, Kansas, or something like yeah. that. And uh, and he gives him a little piece of paper with the address, all of right, because we, we actually kind of neglected to talk about why Mason was in jail, and it was That's like he right. stole he stole Jagger Hoover's file of microfilm, his microfilm of secrets, yeah. So Jagger Hoover had a bunch of like secret information microfilm about like I think he even says uh, JFK assassination the Roswell landing the Roswell landing yeah, yeah. 
uh, and uh, all that. And Mason was a British uh, Secret Service agent that stole the microfilm from Hoover, and they caught him at the Canadian border. Yeah, right. So we forgot to mention that. And they but... held him without trial for 30 years because he wouldn't give up the location right. of the microfilm. But now, obviously, he's he's given so, uh, he's given Stanley they, Goodspeed the secret location. Yeah, he right? tells him where the film is, microfilm is. Yeah. And then he gets out of there. Uh, William, like William Forsythe, kind of, he asks him what happened to where's Mason's body, and he's like vaporized. Yeah. And he knows. Oh yeah, he like, gives him he gives him a little smile, right? Yeah. But then fucking. Uh, Womack comes in he's like where is that son of a bitch's body I want to see yeah. it and he's like and then and, and Forsyth's like vaporized sir and then he turns to Goodspeed and he's like vaporized a body can do that and Goodspeed's like oh yeah yeah science <laughs> proves it yeah. jet fuel can actually melt uh, human skin and then uh, that's pretty much it except for the last scene where we have Carla and Goodspeed Busting out of a church in Kansas, in Kansas with the know, microfilm, yeah. jumping into their with all the like, their car and with their all the bulldog. All, with all the state secrets for long, I'm assuming long dead politicians. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. like well, then, then he's like while they're driving away, he's like, uh, baby, uh, you want to know how they killed JFK? Nice, <laughs> yeah. nice, nice. So that's the rock. That's the rock. Yeah, I mean, I would describe it as a nonstop thrill ride. Yeah, a nonstop action thrill ride. <laughs> it, it truly is like I'm always worried when I watch a movie like The Rock again. You know, after a long time, because I'm always worried it'll lose a bit of luster. You know, but it, this movie really didn't. It goes exactly as badass as I remember it being. It truly is one of the best action movies of the '90s, probably of all time, when, like top twenty. When you get a big cast and a big budget and a good action director, everything you make a timeless movie. Everything like kind of goes right in this movie. I mean, for all the like silliness and wackiness and that is involved in it it doesn't stop it from being like a really kind of relatable like not relatable but you know what I mean right like you can't it's compelling you don't you never you're never like rolling your eyes during this movie exactly. right you're always having a great time yeah. so great pacing like I give it five smashed Humvees out of five cool I'm gonna give it five Zeus's buttholes out of five <laughs> right on uh all right, well, that was The Rock. Do you have any final thoughts about it? or I think we probably talked about it a lot. Nope. You're good? I'm good. All right, we're going to be back with some questions and then what we learned. Your best. Losers always whine about their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. All right, we are back with questions. Chris, do you have any questions for me this week? Nope. Oh. Uh, Nathan, how about you? Do you have any questions? Um, no. All right. That's well, uh, questions. We'll, we'll be, be back. back. Yeah, we'll be back with what we learned. Thank you. What did you learn? All right, we're back with what we learned. And I believe, Chris, you have learned something this week. I actually learned something. Uh, I just wanted to know if anyone ever actually escaped from Alcatraz. Cool. And in fact, three people have escaped from Alcatraz. It was one successful prison break. With uh, of, three, of three guys? Of three guys. Okay. Yeah, so Frank Morris and his brother John Morris and their friend Clarence Anglin. Okay. Yeah, his brother Philip Morris. <laughs> Philip Morris. Uh, and uh, yeah, they escaped from their cells and left the island in a makeshift raft okay. in the middle of the night. Um, they were never seen again. Uh, this happened in 1962. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it was assumed that the FBI officially closed the investigation in 79 because they were never found. It was assumed they drowned right. in their makeshift raft trying to escape in the middle of the night right. in the frigid waters off of San Francisco. Um, but. In uh, the 2000s somewhere, I believe, one of the guys, which I believe would be Frank Morris, uh, wrote a letter to the FBI basically saying that 
they did all escape, uh, and the other two are dead now, um, and he is in bad health. He has cancer. Okay. And he basically says to them, uh, hey, I'll... I'll turn myself in as long as I don't have to serve more than a year in prison and I get medical attention and then I'll tell you everything else you want to know about it. Oh, wow. And he ends it with like, this is not a joke. Okay. And uh, there's no more information after that oh, crazy. as to what happened. The official stance, I guess, would be that... Uh, I don't think they negotiate with people like yeah, that. Yeah, they didn't follow up. Who knows, right? We're talking about the FBI here. So is this the you know, is this the basis for the Clint Eastwood film Escape from Alcatraz? It almost then? certainly yeah. is based okay. on that, yeah. And I think a lot of other prison escape movies like because this th- these guys i watched like a um one of those like kind of true crime shows that talked about it once yeah and they did a lot of the kind of even this movie took some from it because they had it wasn't just like getting out you know with the dirty laundry and jumping in their makeshift boat they did have to go through like tunnels and you also got to think like, that they had some kind of inside help at, at a certain level like guards or someone was looking at turning a blind possibly. eye right because there was very like as long as we understanding that island was locked down right like they had guards at every conceivable port of call right like anywhere you would go there'd be that you could possibly push a boat off on they had a, a, a station for sure there, right? I mean like you see it in, in this movie that's really Alcatraz they have towers everywhere with did they really film this, don't par- this movie did film partially in Alcatraz oh, they yeah. did shoot some of it there oh, right? for sure yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah a lot of that stuff when they're like walking around the outside yeah that's definitely in Alcatraz that's it yeah. uh, there's also that crazy shot where the bomb goes off from the fighter jet that's a very so that's such a that's such a Michael Bay shot because oh, he's, rep- so cool. he's replicated that in uh, Pearl Harbor and in the 13 hours yeah it's like you see the, the sight from overhead and the bomb goes off and the jet comes up past the camera right um, yeah but yeah they they did a lot I, I don't remember a lot of the details it's been a while since I saw the thing that I saw about it but they did a whole lot of like sneaky stuff like that like posing as guards um, this might have been one of the story of like the making like a fake gun out of soap or whatever you know came from or the whole hiding the laundry yeah you know, like jumping like... through laundry shoot etc etc but uh, yeah it's quite possible that three guys in the 60s successfully escaped from Alcatraz that's pretty cool and otherwise no one ever did there was a lot of other attempts but people died you know or were caught in the process yeah, of escaping shot by the guard towers right yeah that's pretty cool awesome yeah, that's what I learned you learn anything no not really but that's uh, I feel educated now that's really cool well, now you've learned something as I well. did I did um, yeah so that was the rock um we're gonna be probably i think for the rest of the summer we're gonna be focusing on big summer blockbusters so if any of you guys have any ideas we're we're open shoot us some ideas if you have any requests get at at me on instagram yeah uh, at handsome boys pod yeah and i just also want to give another shout out to erica who uh is our editor and she's doing a great job and we really appreciate her and uh the handsome girl herself yeah uh, she's the third handsome boy, so um, we're having a great time doing this. We're this this is uh we just released our seventh episode, so we're gonna see try to do something special for number ten. Um, no plans yet, but like I said, if you guys have any ideas, for, if there's a summer blockbuster you want us to cover, feel free just to shoot Chris or I a message, and we'll see if we can make it happen. Yeah, thanks, Otherwise, mom. Uh, yeah, thanks, mom. Uh, I don't think my mom knows how to listen to podcasts, so <laughs> you got a leg up on me there. Uh, otherwise, uh, y'all can go fuck go, yourselves. Go fuck yourselves. Mm-hmm.